0: With a click and a pop, the fireplace lets out an almost guttural sound as it slides off to the side, revealing a low and dark tunnel behind where it once stood. You stand agape as the rogue smiles, seemingly very pleased with herself. She approaches the opening and ducks down low to see into it, her eyes almost shimmering as they adjust to the black and white of the darkness. Nothing but a hallway. She calls back before she makes her way carefully. Cautiously into the passageway. As you enter, darkness engulfs you, and you find yourself incredibly envious of your companions who are more adopted to the dark. With one hand upon the rough stone wall and the other on the shoulder of your companion in front of you, you begin to cautiously make your way down the cramped hall. After a few minutes of traveling down the passageway, you hear a voice whisper back
1: It opens to an antechamber, four large statues, and a metal door with a warded lock. Should be easy from here.
0: A small ball of fire flickers to life in the palm of the Dorban cleric, and it casts a gentle illumination on the room. The soft fire glow touches all four of the statues, making them appear even more grotesque. They all seem to be bipedal with the wings of a bat, the horns of a demon, and carved flawlessly out of stone. Each one is in a different standing position. You sense no magic here, but you find the hairs on the back of your neck standing up, and take notice that your hand is on the leather-wrapped handle of your dagger. The rogue breathes in deeply and takes the first step into the room, eyes scanning the floor for anything out of the ordinary. She takes a careful step to the right before marking the floor with a piece of chalk and proceeding towards the door. She reaches out her left hand and motions you forward. You and the cleric take your first steps into the room and... Wait. Did it? No. No, you're just seeing things. You shake it off quickly and take another few steps towards the locked door. A cold sweat runs down your back as you hear the (coughs) definitive grinding of stone on stone and everyone stops. There's a short pause before you all turn back to the room and find all four of the statues in different positions, but more importantly, they're off their pedestals and five feet closer to you. Their claws are up, the wings are spread, and their fangs are bared, but to you, They're still indistinguishable from stone. One lunges forward at you with impossible speed and takes a swipe with its claws. Well, this is going to be bad. Roll for initiative. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons & Dragons and the lore that surrounds them.
1: Good day, creatures, and welcome to episode 6 of Encounter This. I'm your co-host, Freeman Goliath Eisten, and my friend here, James Othello Kidd, will be bringing us through Gargoyles and the Wizards of the Coast Monster Manual, 5th edition, page 140. What have you got, James? I'm actually really excited to talk about this one. I'm not. (laughs) Just throw that out there right now. Not at all. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Lower
0: expectations, just get damn that, near immediately. Let's just get that right out of the gate, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found these a lot more interesting than I thought I would. There's a lot, of, a lot of stuff behind Gargoyles that we never really talk about or go over as a culture. They've mm-hmm. really kind of narrowed them down into a specific niche in D&D, which I thought was unique. Like, very, very unique take on them. So, in the 5e canon, they're, they're elementals. So they're not constructs, they're they're from the earthen plane, which, again, right away just blew my mind.
1: Yeah, I actually, I originally, just from the visual idea of them, I kind of assumed they would be like a devil or something like that.
0: Yeah, so they have a, a the whole way through you'll see a really close tie to demons, specifically. Okay, cool. Yeah, so they have a couple of, of things that just show up immediately in the Monster Manual, and that's their ability to blend in with stone and appear inanimate, even for years which I think makes a lot of sense. It's something we all think of when we think of gargoyles. True, they make, patience. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. They make ideal sentries, which, again, really fits into our cultural idea mm-hmm. of, of what they should be. Yep. Where it starts to deviate is they have a very cruel reputation to the point where sometimes when they're carved from stone, they're used as decoys in architecture. Mm-hmm. So they catch rats and birds and they torture these things for fun. Like, these are very evil, torturous creatures. And that's mm-hmm. something the, the, the 5e lore gets across right away. There's, there's no holding back about how ruthless and mean these things are. They actually crave harming sentient creatures. If, <laughs> if there's a point where they don't get to inflict pain on something, they yeah. could actually go against their master and bite the hand that feeds them. Damn. Yeah, they're, they're super, super ruthless. They are easily tamed though. So a lot of higher intelligence and higher wisdom wizards or people who have the ability to uh, wrangle creatures can tame gargoyles pretty easily. They, <laughs> I, I love this is almost verbatim from the P- uh, from the monster manual and they love tasks that involve minimum effort and maximum carnage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. no wonder they're easily tamed. Someone can offer them that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Sometimes you can even find them serving demon masters because of the demonic propensity for cruelty and that chaotic evil, which is fantastic. Like these are creatures born of the elemental plane, and sometimes they'll, they'll follow abyssal masters.
1: Right. That's, uh, that's definitely very interesting. I don't know too much about elementals and the elemental planes uh, off the top of my head, but our elemental earth, these guys are elemental earth, correct? Yeah. They are. Are they... Do they lean towards evil? Yes, they do. Yeah. Almost the entirety of the plane.
0: Almost the entirety of the plane. I've actually got a couple of their origin stories uh, a little bit later on, after we go through some types that are found throughout the editions. uh, And they specifically say that they come from an evil master. Awesome. And the fact of the podcast, a tribe of gargoyles is called a nastiness. (laughs) (laughs) Multiple tribes of gargoyles are called nastinesses. (laughs) I think that might actually be in the monster manual. And if it's not, it's definitely on the Forgotten Realms wiki. Oh, my God. It's one of those two places. A nastiness of gargoyles. A nastiness of gargoyles. That's so good. Or nastinesses.
1: Nastinesses. Yep. It specifically
0: spells out the plural.
1: Forget murder of crows, everyone. (laughs) It's a nastiness of gargoyles.
0: They're fantastic. And there are some really cool variations of these guys that that are found all throughout the variations of of the game. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to butcher this. I can't wait. But... This is this is our pronunciation
1: butchering. Yeah,
0: it's coming up? Um I'm with you. Uh, it's it's an underwater gargoyle known for their love of torture. So out of this realm of creatures that are known for loving torture, these guys are specifically known for it.
1: An underwater gargoyle.
0: Yeah. Still earth elemental. I don't know. Uh, okay. These actually never appeared in game. Okay. Uh, they appear in a book series called Starlight and Shadows. By Elaine Cunningham. Uh, the book is called Tangled Webs. Okay. But it is technically DD canon.
1: Do you know if they were like amphibious in their physical description at all, or do they have wings?
0: I didn't dig that deep down, but okay. I do believe I read that they have wings and that they help the, them propel through the water. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Kind of like a manta ray's wing. Sure. Or so, yeah. Something like that, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, there's also a margoyle, mm-hmm. which is from first and second edition they're made of a rarer harder stone they're stronger than uh regular gargoyles they're the commanders of these nastinesses
1: <laughs> the nastiest of the bunch are they yep. <laughs> okay
0: they also speak gargoyle
1: oh yeah well, here we go yeah <laughs> yeah <They've- laughs> Only Margoyles speak gargoyle though.
0: I don't think gargoyle's a language anymore, but in one in first and second, uh Margoyles spoke gargoyle. Okay. Uh, but they also had their own independent language, like a Margoyle regional dialect of oh gargoyle. Oh my god. Yeah.
1: So the Margoyles spoke Margoyle
0: and gargoyle. Yep. <laughs> Theoretically common. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, continue. Uh,
0: There's the grist, which is the true gargoyle with air quotes. Mm -hmm. Uh, They first appeared in an AD&D module called Veil of the Mage in 1990. They could not speak, grow, or reproduce. They ate gemstones and coins. And coins? Yeah, so they would just... Oddly specific. Yeah, they would just eat things of value, essentially. Okay. These ones were always created through magic, whether it be the wish spell, stone shape, polymorph, polymorph any object, sorry. And then GS slash quest? I don't know what the hell that is at all. And then for some reason, the fly spell is just tagged on to the end of that list. So if you cast fly in a stone, theoretically, you create a grist. I think it's
1: pronounced gas. Gas? G-E-A-S, okay. I think. I, I recognize the word. Yeah, it is a relatively well-known spell, I think. I don't think it's used that often. It might be a higher level one. I would imagine
0: it is. But okay. In any uh, case, yeah. Write in if you know anything about that. That's, mm-hmm. that's outside of my realm. Now, these guys, they have to be created through a, a spell. Are they still
1: elemental in that point then? Or... You what's their creature type in that regard? Uh,
0: I was not able to find a creature type. There's not a whole lot of information out there okay. on Forgotten Realms or any of the other D&D websites. Sure. Because they're specifically an AD&D creature, they did not appear in any other variations. Gotcha. So, and then the Guard Goyle, which... Yeah, I just read that. Just just as you were saying it. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: <laughs> Guard Goyle. Yeah,
0: again, there's not much out there. They appeared in AD&D in a game called uh, Ruins of Zentiel Keep in 1995. And then they made a reappearance in 3.5 uh, City of Splendor's Waterdeep t- was published in 2005. So I didn't dig too deep on these guys because those were the only two sources that I found. Mm-hmm. And then the last one we have is the Nabasu, which is a bigger. I wrote badger. Wrote badger. Yep. <laughs> a bigger badger gargoyle from 4E. They're they're bigger. They've got forearms. Uh, they have demon properties, and they're known as death Stealers, But they, or sorry, the Nabasu demon itself is known as death Stealers, and they look quite a bit like gargoyles. So this is a natural evolution of the two, I think. Okay.
1: Of course, yet again, we find 4E really flipping it on its head, eh? 4E is
0: just—it's something else. <laughs> It's, Isn't it, though? It's great. I, I really... I like reading about it. I've never actually played a game, but I'm, I have been really enjoying reading about it. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, I mean, it, it might be the odd man out for the most part, as far as the D&D editions go. But sometimes the odd man out comes has some really cool ideas or, or just, you know, in, inspirations that you can mo- use moving forward, right?
0: I actually constantly rob abilities from monsters in 4th yeah. edition. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, I use that to help me homebrew bigger, batter creatures. So yeah. when you guys are facing down skeletons at 6th level... I'm pulling something out of the fourth monster manual or giving them an ability from a different creature like i think all i've been trying to collect all the monster manuals and i think they're they're looking back is a great way to help look forward absolutely so the creation myths listed in the player's handbook is that ogre prince of elemental earth as he walks shards break off him that in time then form into gargoyles so in forgotten realms theoretically this is how gargoyles are made Uh, how much time it doesn't say. It's, a, it's one of those little side paragraphs. It's okay. like four sentences, sure. a little throwaway yeah. lore. I'm guessing a long time. I would imagine so. I'd imagine there's a pretty good incubation period. Yeah, yeah. But Probably attributing to their patience and waiting and that sort of thing, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, the patience of stone. But another creation myth that I found on the Forgotten Realms wiki was that a powerful mage gave life to the entire species of gargoyles. Okay. So that will actually be reflected a little bit later in the cultural lore, when which we're going to just dive into now at this point, mm-hmm. in in one of the gargoyle legends, there's plenty out there. Okay, these are these are a very pervasive thing in culture. So the first thing we need to establish is that gargoyle comes from the French word gargoil, which means gullet or throat. Gullet or throat. So a gargoyle is a spout that's designed to take water away from a roof to the side of a building to minimize potential water damage.
1: Right. Yes. Okay. The the yeah the mouth of the gargoyle. Yeah. Exactly. Could be flying out, Yeah.
0: Yeah, so a trough is cut through them, and the water usually exits the mouth of a stone sculpture, hence the name gullet or throat. Mm -hmm. Usually these are elongated to take water further away from the building, and that gives them this fantastical, ornamental, and artistic look. If they're not a trough, so if they don't specifically take water away from the building, they're actually called grotesques or chimeras.
1: I recall the word grotesque as soon as you said it like i remember them being called that in something i don't know where it's ringing the bell in my head but yeah yeah, a grotesque on the side of like a gothic
0: building yeah Yeah. so if if it's ornamental it's technically a grotesque even Mm. though nomenclature has dictated that gargoyle is now synonymous right but one of those troughs could not be called a grotesque because it has a purpose gotcha so almost any animal can be found as a gargoyle such as the lion's heads on the temple of zeus in olympia uh there were lots of chimeras so amalgamations of different animals used as as gargoyles to help with the elongated neck to make it a little more mm-hmm. look a little more natural a little more fantastical and the ones on the on notre dame de perry were chimeras so they were these amalgamations of creatures mm-hmm. one of the primary theories uh of Establishing gargoyles was that they were used to illustrate the concept of evil or is used as apotroapic devices a- apotropaic. Apotropaic. This is my new favorite <laughs> word. I didn't even know this was a thing, but it means to magically ward against evil spirits. So like a horseshoe over the the yeah. the a house like is okay. is, yeah. is is an apotropaic device. Apotropaic? Apotropaic. R- right in with the fine- with the, <laughs> the pronunciation listers.
1: Twitter at us. Just Twitter at us, will you? Mm.
0: At Encounter Pod. At Apertropaic Pod. You can find some really cool looking ones on the Wikipedia page. There's one on uh, Paisley Abbey specifically, uh, which is in Renfrewshire, Scotland. During its refurbishing in the early 1990s, they re- replaced the typical grotesque with a gargoyle of a xenomorph. Which looks oh, so cool. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. This is a real cathedral in Scotland. That was just like, yeah, fuck it. We're gonna throw in a Ridley Scott creation. That's amazing. Or an H.R. Geiger. Geiger. H.R. Geiger. Geiger. I think it's Geiger. Geiger. Whatever it is, we're gonna he made get the Geiger. Didn't he? No. Nope. <laughs> Shor- nope. Shortly. Yep. Shortly. Yeah. Shortly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we'll t- So by
1: definition, the word gargoyle just represents a. Aesthetic stone work on like a a building or a temple or something like that, but also has a use.
0: Traditionally, now any of it can be a grotesque or a gargoyle or a boss or or really whatever. Gotcha. Um, But initially, yes, uh, a gargoyle were were just ornamental troughs, essentially water spouts, rain gutters, fancy fancy fucking rain gutters, fancy
1: ass rain gutters. Do you think we can we can? Oh, uh, maybe you're going to get into it. Can we uh, attribute? these to the financial success of old religion, why these existed on the sides of buildings. They would have been a really costly thing to create at the end of the day, would they not? These sculptures, these elaborate sculptures. Yeah. Function. I think so. I mean You know, like 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 the, the Sistine Chapel, you know, like that dude's getting paid a lot. Da Vinci's getting paid a lot to create that sort of thing, right? And it's usually funded by some sort of religious institution. Do you think It's because of these old religious institutions that gargoyles probably exist
0: at all? I think they probably helped popularize them. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that initially they were just used as fun ways to make these troughs look cooler. Okay, sure. Because, I
1: I mean, I I don't know if I'm accidentally making it sound like a negative thing, but historically religious institutions were very big patrons of the arts, right? So that's why I'm led towards... Thinking maybe that's the case like would these things have existed because they do they not mostly exist on religious based buildings to a degree there's uh,
0: also a lot of capital buildings as well okay um, I mean I guess Probably the first example uh, in, on the Temple of Zeus in Olympia would—I guess that would be a religious building, but it wouldn't be something religious like we think of today.
1: Maybe religious is the wrong word. Maybe we're like spiritual authority uh, or entity of some kind. I think you know, religious is— even capital buildings back then right. would have had so much influence from whatever church would have been in the area at the time. Or pervasive belief, at least. Sure. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I I think—I guess that adds up. Yeah, just I, speculating, I guess. Yeah, yeah I— I never really put too much thought behind it. I just to call it no, always thought it was like, oh, this is a thing we have to do. Let's make it look sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's put a little aesthetic on our efficiency. Yeah, but yeah. you're right. That, that excess in currency, that mm. probably came from, from yeah. religious mon- monetization of some sort. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm going to take you back to ancient France, where I'm going to start butchering words. I love going back to ancient France. So St. Romanus. Former French Chancellor of Clotaire II, Bishop of Rouen, and Merovingian King used to tell stories of how he freed Rouen from a monster called a gargouille or a goji. It is said to have a dragon head, wings, and breathe fire from its mouth, and was subdued by a crucifix. Saint Romanus took the creature back to Rouen, where he burned it, and everything turned to ash except for its head and its neck, because of the tempering of it due to its own fire breath. The head was then hung on the wall of the newly built church to scare off evil spirits. And this is where, theoretically, the origin of the gargoyle comes from. Wow. So it, it's like
1: there was just one. There was Originally, just one. There was just yeah. this one offshoot monster that... St. Romanus. St. Romanus. Thank you.
0: Such a good name. <laughs> that
1: St. Romanus defeated. Yeah. And, but could not, ultimately could not completely destroy. Exactly. And it became a representation of evil. And evil spirits.
0: Yeah, he Vlad Vlad impaled this thing, like, just hung the head on its wall to ward off, like, this is this is the kind of shit that's going to come.
1: And how beast of this monster it must have been if they believed it would ward off other evil spirits. Like, this must be a pretty high up, like, powerful creature. If there's only one of them, I guess it kind of has to be, right? And so if other evil spirits see it, they must know it and
0: see that it's defeated and be scared, yeah. So this is probably all hot garbage. I can almost guarantee that sure. this never happened. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. really, All but guarantee. You're here to
1: hear first, listeners. <laughs> it's pretty unlikely that this story is true. <laughs> yeah.
0: However, St. Romanus, uh, Clotaire II, Rouen, Merovingian, these are all real things that happened. Uh, Rouen is actually a city that's still around today in northern France. Mm-hmm. But the, the killing the fire-breathing dragon-like monster, probably not true. Well, you know, can't win them all. I, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to change my mind if somebody can send me evidence, like yeah. real, I don't want to say skeletal remains, but uh, <laughs> no, send me the head and the neck of this, this gargoyle that St. Romanus constructed and we'll, we'll, we'll produce a retraction. Promise. Yeah. <laughs> Traditionally, gargoyles are represented as one of two different types of creature. The construct, so they're these are inspired by the architecture. They're similar to golems. They're usually magically animated and often guardians or a vessel of demonic possession. The first evidence of a construct brought to life was in a novel called Maker of Gargoyles by Clark Ashton Smith in 1932, where a mason called Reynard unwittingly infused his lust and hate into two gargoyles who attacked the city of Villonies, and they later came back and killed him.
1: Wait, did he do his lust in one and hate in the other? Yeah? Yeah. Amazing. So did one rape in one pillage essentially i don't know
0: this is not available at the vancouver public library i looked i really (laughs) want to read this book now sure so it's now on my list okay i think i'm just going to start a reading list on the website eventually like just Mm. james's reading list (laughs) we'll we'll put uh hesiod in there we'll Mm -hmm. we'll throw in diogenes we'll throw in maker of gargoyles
1: (laughs) a reread of the the eonid
0: yeah exactly yeah it's been a long time The next one is Conjure Wife by a German Fritz Leiber in 1943, where a dragon sculpture is (laughs) animated by a witch and sent to kill an archaeology professor. So this sounds like a young Indiana Jones adventure, and this is also going on the list.
1: Conjure Wife. Yeah. It's a bit of a provocative title, isn't it? A
0: little bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that may be wrong. That may be a mistranslation. Like this thing doesn't mm. have this book doesn't have a Wikipedia page. This doesn't have a bin number. Like this book, for all okay. intents and purposes, does not exist. For the except for the three websites that I found it on
1: by Fritz Lieber, German Austrian.
0: I think he's German. Yeah, German.
1: yeah. It probably is a mistranslation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then probably the most famous representation of a construct in pop culture is in 1971, John Pertwee. Uh, encountered gargoyles in the Doctor Who episode The Demons. Oh, okay. So, if you're not a Doctor Who fan, great episode, great doctor, worth worth looking at. The next type of gargoyle is the demonic possession type. The first representation of this in culture that I've been able to find is in a short story called The Horn of Vapula from 1932 by Lewis Spence. It was a short story. It seems to have been collected in other places, but I can't find that. Okay. <laughs> so, like these aren't well-known authors, so they're it's it's been a challenge to find some of these.
1: Sometimes it's amazing Wikipedia has anything, even if it's a short
0: article, you know? These weren't on Wikipedia. Oh, no? Like, these were me <laughs> doing real, real grown-up research yeah. <laughs> about the origin of gargoyles. Uh, probably the most famous representation of a demonic-possessed gargoyle is Zul the Gatekeeper and Vince Clortho the Keymaster. hmm So, oh, I guess I should tell the one listener who doesn't know that that's from Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Original. Original. 1984? Ish. Don't write it and incorrect us on that. I'm going to I'm going to IMDB it as soon as we hang up.
1: <laughs> we will correct ourselves yeah. and educate.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one. Uh, there's also a character in Marvel Comics who looks like a grotesque um, Isaac Christians. He's the second gargoyle from Marvel Comics. Oh. He's a human soul inside the body of a gargoyle that body was given to him through a pact with a demon so the demon looks more demonic to put that into perspective for those of you who don't know the gargoyle i'm assuming all of you because this is a deep deep marvel cut he looks very similar to etrican um the demon from dc comics the alter ego of jason blood
1: oh yes that totally clears that up yeah
0: i (laughs) i wrote this and then i was like this this is for that one person uh, but Etrigan appears in the Justice League Unlimited series. He's in Justice League Dark. Uh, go look go look him up. Gone, gone, the form of man. Rise the demon, Etrigan. Very popular DC character. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> yeah. So the second gargoyle looks a lot like Etrigan. <laughs> Not that that helps anyone. Uh, there's also Marvel's gray gargoyle, which is a man who can actually turn himself into stone without losing strength and dexterity. Uh, his name is Paul Pierre Duval. He's a chemist and he looks a lot more like a conventional gargoyle. He's actually turns himself to stone and stuff. And he's a villain. He's not a great... Great. He's not a very well-written character. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't recommend.
1: Sometimes like, they just need filler villains, you know.
0: Yeah, he's he really is a filler <laughs> villain. Like I think he fought Daredevil and Spider-Man. He may have become a member of the Defenders, but I may be confusing that with the Gargoyle too. But to bring it back to Disney, uh, Gargoyles, the TV show, of course, from that we movies. all know. Yeah. That's actually where the names in the intro come from. For that, those two of you who don't know, Goliath is the main lead gargoyle yeah. othello his twin brother who eventually becomes a robot cold blood i think is his twin brother robot <laughs> gargoyle name uh
1: yeah no one knows the show it's it's a bit of a cult classic i don't think it was ever renowned for being extraordinary at the time no i remember growing up with it and loving it um keith david does a voice in it
0: he does Goliath voice he does yeah. yeah
1: he's so good yeah um and it's slowly been gaining occult traction lately. I was actually just yesterday reading an article on this. And I don't know if you know this yet, but Disney's new premium subscription channel, they officially announced they're going to have the Gargoyle show oh, on that's it. It's so good. And like there's a bit of hope you know amongst the internet that uh that they might gain a little traction and there's because there has been a bit of a, a
0: increase in interest in it yeah i think um, it was only two or three seasons
1: people are hoping that disney will like maybe we can
0: re- revivify that franchise which they've, i think would be cool they've been doing a lot of interesting things in the comic books oh yeah um, so there, there are some gargoyle comic books out there i didn't touch on this in the article like so. based on the disney show yeah oh yeah 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 so um Brooklyn gets married to somebody and has a kid called Tennessee and they have another kid called Katana like it's it gets weird. It's yeah. Books, um, But it seems to be really popular. Fingers crossed everybody. Yeah, it's, it's definitely worth it. So these are two pretty different things that we've been talking about between culture and history and, and Dungeons and Dragons. All, all three of these don't really line up. The big differentiator is that they're elementals in D&D and clearly evil. Mm -hmm. That lines up a little bit through the demonic possession and through some of those earlier work. But later in pop culture, it it doesn't really follow through. So we have examples like Hugo and Victor and Laverne from Disney's Hunchback and the Gargoyle race uh, from the movie I Frankenstein, uh, Gargoyle quest for Game Boy. Like these aren't evil creatures, the Gargoyle TV show. They're not evil. They're more of a nuisance than anything, really. Mm -hmm. I guess I guess they're evil in Castlevania. So that kind of holds up. (laughs) They do tend to hold the demon edge that they had in the original literature through D&D with the, with the touch on the Nabasu gargoyle in 4th edition, which I thought was a really nice touch. And the maker of gargoyles seems to really be the closest to the representation of gargoyles in 5th edition specifically. But again, that's still on my reading list. I cannot confirm or deny that.
1: This week's mechanics brought to you by none other... Then strange fellows, blackmail stout. And my hangover. <laughs> and our 12-hour Dungeons & Dragons session yesterday.
0: Yeah, just a little peek behind the curtain today, listeners. We're, we've been honest with you the whole way. We might as well just keep being honest with you. We played D&D Ghost of Saltmarsh for damn near 12 hours straight yesterday and drank drank enough to drown several fish. So I'm a hurting unit today. I'm getting better. I think, our, I think our delicious ad break is going to get me there, but uh, if you hear any discrepancies or any low energy, it's... <laughs> it's because of our dedication
1: to Dungeons and & Dragons and beer.
0: <laughs> and, and learning more about Dungeons & Dragons through exploration. Through pure, unadulterated <laughs> exploration. There's also six of us, and we crushed a six-foot party sub, which I'm just so proud of. Yeah. Feeds 20 people my ass.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, mechanics, what we got... Yeah, so let's talk about mechanics. The gargoui mechanics. The gargoui. Oh, quick side note. I was thinking earlier, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Gargouille means, you said, throat or gullet. And it's very close to grenouille, which is frog in French. And they make very throaty sounds. I wonder, probably the same word. I wonder word. if there's, yeah, probably a connection there, etymologically. Right in, Helen. Helen Zaltzman, please.
0: Actually, I'll see you before this airs, so... <laughs> Thank you for what a lovely show you put on. Lovely. So gargoyles are a CR2 creature. They've got AC15, all natural, 52 HP. So they're, you know, they're okay for a second mm-hmm. CR2 creature. Uh, they've got boosted con and strength, which make a lot of sense. And they're into their charisma or their dump stats. Mm-hmm. In 5th and 4th edition, they are monstrous humanoids. In 3rd edition, nope. Backwards. Nope. I got that. Nope. Why would I write it like <laughs> sabotaging my own dice. <laughs> they are elemental creatures in fifth and fourth edition and monstrous humanoids in third edition monstrous yep in fifth edition they t- they speak terran and common they have dark vision immune to poison uh and dr non-magical except for adamantine which i thought was interesting okay uh, i learned while researching this i don't know a goddamn thing about like silvered or adamantine weapons in fifth edition i know it for pathfinder but yeah. i do not know how they work
1: uh, that's okay, because I, I read the Monster Manual page today mm-hmm. and noticed that right away, and I did a quick research on adamantine. So, so I, take, I, take I, it I away. Take us for <laughs> a spin there, Freeman. <laughs> uh, I, thought to myself, yeah, I thought, you know, I'm pretty sure he's going to have Ogremock covered, because I did see that, um, and Origins and lore and stuff. But I thought, adamantine, I don't know shit at all about that, so I might as well check it out. And there's not too much on it, but it's essentially an extremely hard metal, hard, the hardest metal it is only found in really rare veins and meteorites, and it's usually turned into an alloy. I think using, I know it uses they use electrum in the alloy, and I think iron as well. But it's mostly adamantine, extremely hard to work. Usually, of course, dwarves are the ones who can mold it, and it has a very black color, okay. even as an alloy. Regular light will shine off of it with a green sheen. And magical light, it's like a purple and white sheen. Cool. Something like that. So I think the idea behind it is that it's so extraordinarily hard that even something made of rock, such as a gargoyle or an elemental earth, may not be weak to it, but any DR is gonna be surpa- uh, passed by for sure.
0: That's cool. Dude, how much it costs to coat something in adamantine? Or is it, is it, ha- does it have to be forged in adamantine? Good question. I don't know that. Okay.
1: What I do know is that it probably would be extremely costly regardless. There was actually some mention of the drow using it as well, and they would create adamantine weapons and armor, and then magically imbue them. But the magic and the integrity of these weapons and armor would start to fall away if if they came in contact with direct sunlight, which I thought was pretty interesting.
0: That is interesting. Drows yeah. are weird. Yeah,
1: and the gith also uh, had brought back uh, some essence or something from limbo which they were able to mold into Adamantine fortresses. Oh. Yeah. So, weird. Yeah. So there's a lot of weird, strange, like, origin of Gith-Yonky Adamantine. Githyanki or Gizenae? I uh, don't remember. Okay. Probably the Yankee. Um, something we'll, we'll eventually dive into when we do cover the gift. that's for sure. And there are going to take a year. <laughs> and I remember there was another small little section, too. There was... Uh, about rumors surrounding adamantine and it was said that if you mixed steel and mithril it would create adamantine but it's also a complete lie and it's considered to be that dwarves would not make adamantine for anyone other than dwarves unless they thought it was very important and so they would fake it using mithril and steel i love
0: that and that's going in my campaign <laughs> yeah. that is super cool pretty cool eh? uh, do you have a reference for that was that the DM? that was
1: all in forgotten realms forgotten so some of it was not cited for sure okay but some of it definitely was still yeah. That's cool. I mean, that's, that's all flavor. Yeah. All around really interesting.
0: Yeah, that's great. So they have an ability called False Appearance, Indistinguishable if Motionless. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward. They have Multi-Attack, Bite, and Claws. And it seems it all seems to add up. There's nothing really out there about the Gargoyle so far, except for the Margoyle, speaking Margoyle and Gargoyle. Mm-hmm. But have you used these guys at all? Like, they're they're a pretty simple creature. They're,
1: I have not. Definitely have not. Uh, just reading the 5e lore today... I did have some inspiration. I like what you said earlier about how some of the iterations were created through magic only. Was it the, wasn't the Margo's, the Gist, I think it was? The Gist, yeah. To me, that creature, I think, should be a construct as a type, I think, in the end. And I kind of like that idea. I like the idea of playing with both. Maybe some are elementals and some are constructs created are construct creations inspired by uh, these elemental earth creatures. I loved reading some of this stuff about how they will dwell on mountainsides and in hills and that sort of thing in rocky terrain and not necessarily on the sides of buildings, which they do as well. But I love the idea that the gargoyles that you would see in your, you know your typical Forgotten Realms world are just... The aesthetic creatures you'd find on on Notre Dame, uh, and they're based on these horrendous creatures right. inside. They are they are meant to scare you off or sc- scare trespassers away, kind of thing. But you know? they're facsimile. Yeah, and I love the idea of like a you know something, several sculptures of different creatures unnerving a group of of party or a group of PCs as they climb a mountain or something like that. And it turns out gargoyles at the top are, are the only ones that are animated. And You know, an ignorant PC might not see it coming at all. They might see a harpy. They might see a yeti. They might see various creatures along the way and, and really have not sh- have no idea what to expect. On the other hand, I also love that they do lurk on the sides of buildings and hide in cities and that sort of thing. And it Im- immediately made me think of running one shot or maybe a small campaign in the very Victorian style. And mm-hmm. um, I love, I don't know if you've ever played Dark Souls, or in particular, Bloodborne. Super Victorian. I have not. Dark, gothic aesthetic and inspiration. Really, really cool. And I just, all I can think is there's got to be disease-based ghouls, there's got to be vampires, and there's got to be gargoyles. And I just, I love the idea of exploring that sort of mythos and setting. Like
0: like classically Victorian and dark, like Vampire yeah. of the Masquerade kind of shit. Abs- just like yeah. that. Okay, absolutely. cool.
1: And probably even introducing a little bit of gunpowder.
0: Interesting. That's yeah. always something I've been interested in, but it just seems like so much work.
1: Yeah. I think you would have to be a lot of homebrew rules surrounding all of that, which is why I probably would only want to do a small campaign or just a one-shot. Yeah. Just really, really lock it in. Uh, but I think it would be really fun. I think that's how I would want to explore Gargoyles most. Otherwise especially mechanically, they don't seem they don't really interest me that all that much. Yeah. I do like all the adamantine stuff, but beyond that, you know, I think it uh, that can be applied to probably a lot of creatures.
0: That's fair. Yeah. yeah, I would also really homebrew the absolute shit out of these guys to the point where they're not really gargoyles anymore. So, my, my big inspiration for gargoyles is that I went to the Toronto Royal Ontario Museum a few years back, uh, just on a visit home, and they had this big section of terracotta warriors and i love the idea of just scrapping the idea that the gargoyles are these grotesque things and they're just animated statues that have a little bit of intelligence to them mm-hmm. so I like the idea of the of of the party finding this antechamber and then it just being filled with these statues of soldiers of the emperor's army mm-hmm. and as you're walking through just a few of them animate and then giving them like shadow monk traits or a cunning action from the rogue or sneak oh, okay. attack. Like I would give them some PC abilities. Right. And really, um, I definitely would give them sneak attack, cunning action and blind sense. I think.
1: Yep.
0: It'd probably bump up the intelligence. Like we're talking like CR five, CR six creatures here, but if you wanted to really play it down and do uh, just like do a, a brood or a nastiness, um, I, I think there's no, <laughs> there's no reason at all why these things shouldn't have pack tech. Oh yeah, Sure. Yeah. So that would that would make things very challenging to begin with.
1: Now, there's got to be a couple of missing uh, mechanics in here that we haven't covered, like immunities and fly speed.
0: Yeah, you know, I I tend to veer away from fly speed. It's just the Pythagorean theorem for me is too much work. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But But yeah,
1: as a CR two creature, it's it's like the harpy thing all over again. You know, you get a CR one creature, a CR two creature you're looking at fly speed that makes them a very challenging thing to fight or potentially challenging
0: you can you can hear my book flipping now <laughs> listeners i'm wondering if i actually missed the fly speed on these things while i was doing the initial research uh, i did it is a 60 foot fly speed 60 foot fly speed yeah so these
1: things will fuck you up Crazy, but they don't have any range attacks, right?
0: No, and that's one of the things I was—I would homebrew as well. Like maybe they shoot like stone fingernails at you, okay. like uh, and just yep. you know, roll them as darts, like d fours sure. and whatever.
1: They're throwing out shards like like they are from uh,
0: exactly Overmonk or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I think that would really fit in there. Mm-hmm. But I I also like the idea of them being magical. If mm-hmm. they, if they were going to be elemental, I would really just want to play with the elemental stats and the elemental abilities and use them in the shape of a gargoyle and just have that be flavor. Sure. But to actually use a gargoyle, I would want to give them some rogue rogue things and throw them in a dark room and, and give them that sneak attack and blind sense for sure. Mm. I, I also think cutting action, if you're in a room full of statues, I think that could just be just be fantastic. <laughs> like just <laughs> right. do the whole combat theater of the mind with the PCs and just have, have a little grid in front of me. Like, where the statues are, where the gargoyles are, and just have three gargoyles circling through this dark room, and just cunning action, bonus action, hide, yeah. jump out, attack, move back, hide in the statues. Imagine
1: cunning action
0: dash with a
1: 60-foot fly speed though, 120 feet. 120 feet every turn. Like, that's
0: crazy. I'd probably homebrew the cunning action just to be hide. Sure. Okay. Uh, I don't think... I'm thinking a very small room, like, like an 80-foot room, mm. you know. But- filled with statues like a
1: terracotta army
0: yeah exactly yeah. uh it so this whole thing was actually uh my fiance had uh batman begins on in the background while oh, i was yeah. writing this and there's that scene <laughs> yeah, where he's doing yeah. the um the the thing with uh raish al Ghul.
1: it's like the final test or whatever
0: right yeah now. the final test to become part of the league of shadows i think i think they actually mispronounced his name as a in the movie yeah and
1: i've heard it called raz al Ghul as well it's definitely raish uh
0: isn't it uh, well according to to canon, it is Raish al Ghul. Mm-hmm. According to uh, Jim... Or sorry, according to Paul Dini, it's Ra- Raz al Ghul. Okay. But as far as this podcast is concerned, his name is Raish al Ghul, no,
1: the I'm, demon said. I'm behind, I'm behind that. Yeah. That's how they pronounce it in the Arkham games as well.
0: Yeah, that's not how they pronounce it in the cartoon show, but that's how Paul Dini wanted it pronounced. Fair enough. So.
1: Now, what about like uh, immunities? I've pulled up the muster manual myself now. I mean, to poison makes sense. Yeah. Immune mean, to exhaustion.
0: Yeah. I, I don't tend to touch on those mm. things too much when they make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, they, they do have a couple of, of good immunities.
1: Petrified and poisoned, I think, pretty obvious.
0: Yeah. 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 And exhaustion, I think, is pretty obvious being an elemental. The weirdest part about these creatures for me is that they're not constructs. Right. I, I really I but really believe that a gargoyle should be a construct, but they're hun- really...
1: Definitely 100% because of what lore they've decided yeah. to go with. Though, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. The, the Forgotten Realms so, lore. They, had they not made that a unique lore, then it stands to reason that that's what, exactly what they would be.
0: Yeah, and I've, I've played gargoyles before in combats bef- and they're fine. They're not really anything terribly special and that really kind of breaks my heart. I used mm-hmm. to collect like little pewter gargoyles as a kid growing up. Like I really like the idea of, of a grotesque and a gargoyle.
1: I kind of like, uh, you said earlier that it was in the third edition they were monstrous, right? Yeah. basically monstrosities. It, it kind of seems kind of cool to me to harken back to the harpies where the original harpy was once an elf eventually transformed through you know elven god magic and becomes over time within reason a monstrosity why not a similar magic creating a construct but maybe giving it enough life that over time it becomes a monstrosity as well i like a that more sentient creature I also with magical origins
0: I could also get behind the idea of, like, casting stone shape on a Nabasu demon or something along those lines, or polymorphing a Nabasu into stone, and then eventually it gets its shit together right. enough that it can start to move and, yeah. and be a you, creature. Yeah, you right? petrify a demon. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. That would be really cool. So I think that's an interesting spin on it as well.
1: be a really, really cool way to start and end a campaign.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Just the ultimate cliffhanger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He managed to stop this team at the beginning, but lo and behold, he's come back as something brand new. And
0: wholly evil and dangerous. Is that Asimov's gun? <laughs> not Asimov. <coughs> what is the name of that? You show a gun in Act 1 and it has to go off in Act 3? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, it's definitely not Isaac Asimov's gun, I can
1: tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also noticed here, you said that uh, they speak Terran and Common. In the Monster Manual, it only says Terran. I imagine on the, on the Forgotten Realms, it probably specifies both.
0: No, uh, the common is from forty and three. Oh, okay, yet.
1: cool. Which I find, even if it's one or both, they do tend to serve demons. You said right? Do demons often
0: speak common? Demons no. do often speak. common. Okay, they do. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, almost anything looking... with an intelligence over eight speaks common as well. Sure. Or in my travels as well. Okay. Uh, at least. So yeah, just
1: because just looking at the Monster Manual, it says here they only speak com- or only speak Terran. So like how are the how is the average demon communicating with it maybe they have a, a good idea or maybe they understand or have a good basis on primordial in general as a language
0: it's possible demons. yeah i'm not really sure about the how the languages in 5e were formed mm-hmm. and again when we say 5e we're we're pretty specifically talking about the forgotten realms mm-hmm. so i don't i don't really have a good basis on that like i know dwarf uh, orc and dwarf come from the same basis right. like in my world they all come from terran Mm-hmm. which all comes from primordial. Right. Like. So there, there's, a, there's a real hierarchy to the way languages are developed in my world, but I can't speak to that for the Forgotten Realms for itself. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else? Uh, I think that's it for me. All right. Uh, this will be our last episode for 2019 when it finally comes out. So thank you so much for listening to our first six episodes. Mm. And we hope to uh, catch your ear again in the new year. Yep. We're going to be doing a suite we've lovingly dubbed Haguary. <laughs> so if you've got any audience or if you've got any stories for hags or any other creatures coming up, feel free to shoot them our way.
1: Yeah, hags is going to be a big
0: one. We're, we're going to be collaborating on
1: this and taking turns presenting certain amounts of information. Uh, but we're both looking very much
0: forward to it. We both love hags. Yeah, it'll be a fun new format, I think, for at least for this one. And then we'll go back to the old format mm-hmm. uh, about halfway through February. Feel free to shoot us an email at info at encounterthis.ca. You can reach us at Encounter Pod on Twitter. We might have a home on the web. If we do, it's encounterthis.ca. And at this point, we probably should have a Patreon up and running, which you can find through our let's call it let's go with a pin tweet on our Twitter. You can find it through our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, this is Google Encounter This Patreon. Uh, if we if we do have a Patreon up and running by now, it'll be it'll be in a pin tweet on our on our feed. So um, that'll be a nice and easy way to way to do that. Remember to like, rate, subscribe, and uh, maybe tell a friend about us or any Facebook groups you're you're a part of, or just shout it from a mountaintop. whatever you got, yeah, do it. Yeah, Everest uh, is waiting, man. But that oh, that that rate and review they really help us in the iTunes store, and they help us catch the eye of new and unique listeners. Big time. So if you have rate and reviewed, thank you. If you have not. Please, please, get on it. (laughs) We
1: love you. (laughs) Thanks, creatures. (laughs) See you now.